to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best but the views are amazing i'm your moderator b jones and i'm here with the other b jones yes sir mr logistics brian jones what's happening baby everything is good man had a great thanksgiving holiday back in south florida where it's warm at <laughs> i'm alive and ready to go man <laughs> hey so uh quick question on this thanksgiving yeah thanksgiving just passed man everybody got to eat good hope they got to drink good be merry with the fam yeah. what is your expiration date on the thanksgiving food when it's gone man <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean for us it really i've never been really maybe a couple little sides that may stick around past day three but other than that most of it's gone it's like get it while you can man i got stuff food piled up in my freezer right now we just went way too hard with the, with the fixings man we got this big 24 pound turkey that we had to cut i think like maybe a third not probably about a quarter of it still mm-hmm. left we just froze a bunch of um macaroni and cheese and ham and stuff sitting in the y'all don't do frozen food like i'm sorry i don't throw out food and if i don't eat it, if i can't just put pop it in the microwave if it's going in the garbage can or find somebody else that can donate it to or something man i'm trying <laughs> to find anybody i can give it to man it's crazy yeah, but not two or three days after that. I gotta go find. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'll find something. I'll go out. I gotta make a run and go find something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> if everybody still was snacking on leftovers, <laughs> nah, nah, man. There it is. Well, yeah, uh, this is gonna be what episode 90, 95, I think, as we on the way to 100. That sounds about right, yes, sir. All about my man BJ, man. So, BJ is. He, he likes to play the background role. <laughs> he likes to try to play that role. But today we're going to push him to the front. And I've already seen what happens once you, you know, put him to the front, man. It's almost like a still waters run deep type of situation with this guy because I was fortunate enough to be able to watch one of, uh, basically a sermon that you gave not too long ago, man. And it was a, it was a, a very fledged moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was definitely you getting out of your comfort zone. Um, it was an arena where I hadn't seen you before. But you looked like you was comfortable doing your thing, no matter how uncomfortable you were feeling on the inside and nervous. So give us a little yeah. bit little bit of background on that. Man, that was an arena I had never experienced before. <laughs> um, so over the last few years, when we joined uh, – back to, we came back to South Florida. We had been church hopping for a while. We finally found a place that we were comfortable at. The kids were growing. The kids felt comfortable. Um, so I've been volunteering and do a couple of things at volunteering kids zone. I teach one Sunday a month in the kids um, portion of the church, um, kids church, basically. Um, but then we also have a couple other groups going. So one of the groups is a men's group that it's a, um, one of the executive pastors does with just several um, men around the, or from the church, from different aspects, from Spanish service, from English service, because we're a bilingual church. Um, so then the first meeting we had this year, he's, he makes a statement as, yeah, the goal is to have, um, give you guys opportunity to share your experiences and share a word on a Sunday. And everybody kind of looked at each other like, okay, and like, that sounds cool, but nobody really thought much of it. Then he turned to me and said, Brian, you're first on November 4th. <laughs> and like I said, my 
head was shaking, yes, but everything in me was saying, oh, no, you made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but it turned out absolutely amazing, man. I think there were several poignant points that you brought uh, during your time on stage, man. First one were those three soul-searching questions, and I think we can all do ourselves a favor by asking ourselves these soul-searching questions. The first one is, am I being tested? Mm-hmm. I think that's huge, man. But you give me your take on it. Why is that one of the first of your soul searching questions? I think it's uh, it goes back to that internal reflection and how you view life. Um, a lot of times when things come at people, it's never often looked at as a test, more of a punishment or a punitive, right? Mm-hmm. So if you kind of flip the mindset and say, is this a test of me, of my skills, of my belief, of my faith? of of my ability to step out and do something new um it's a different mindset and your approach to it is not offensive or um pushing the opportunity away you're gung-ho about it and even though you may be apprehensive about it it's really like i can do this i there's no question i can do i know i can do it i just need to have the confidence in myself and make it happen and then we're going to take that one step further with the second question is, am I willing to make the sacrifice? I think that's the part that trips a lot of us up because yep. we have these lofty goals. We feel like we know what is required, but then when it gets hard, when you got to lose a little bit of sleep or you got to lose a little bit of that game time or any of that, that convenience time, that's when it's like, uh, maybe this isn't really what I want to do. Definitely. Um, sacrifice that's a that's a huge word nowadays um because it could be come from any area of life right this experience happened to be spiritual but that can come um am i willing to make the sacrifice financially am i make it time wise with my family with my wife um but again it's how you receive it and then how you respond to it and again it's all about the response and not taking everything as a negative impact a negative blow and I think that's where I've personally been trying to grow over the last probably five, six years, mm-hmm. um, that these things happen for a reason. And it might sound cliche to some people when I say that, but everything, I believe everything happens for a reason. I can trace back many different things in life that I'm questioning and that, that, I'm, that I might not have taken the appropriate way as a test um, and kind of push it off and put it aside. But those things that I did um, sit back and be like, you know what? I'm willing to sacrifice this to see where this is going to go. It's all been beneficial, right? It's all been beneficial, whether that's picking up and moving my family, whether that's starting a new job, whether that's starting a business, whether that's going going back to school, right? And managing time and managing all these things, all these different things that paid off and paid dividends in the long run, if I'm willing to make that sacrifice in the long run. But identifying it as a test first and then moving forward with it. I like how you say that everything happens for a reason. And I think um, I want to build on that a little bit because a lot of the time we are the reason, no matter which way you kind of look at it. We are the reason these things happen, whether it's to learn and grow or whether we're the, the cause or the reasoning behind it. You know, we have to be able to accept that and be able to move forward from it. So, you know, <laughs> just knowing that these things happen for a reason, there's a purpose in everything. Um, that you go through you got to see it and you got to realize it and live it and learn through that purpose learn through those whether it be mistakes failures or successes there's always a lesson to be gained so one of the things that i've to take from that to build on it one of the things i've always i've accepted and i think i've made again to try to make it a permanent part of my life is that 
There's no testimony without a test. And I'm not just speaking, it doesn't have to be spiritual, right? So right. you can't tell anybody or help anybody else through anything if you have not done it yourself or have got guidance from somebody who has, has gone through it, have gone through the pitfalls, have gone through the, the, the unknown to get where you are, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can't tell your story and have that testimony, were you really tested? Did you really go through all the trials and tribulations that maybe you were meant to go through, right? To build you up for what's coming next in life. Because a lot of times we look at things that happen to us. Um, and, and I'll take my health, for instance, um, being diagnosed as diabetic, which I, a lot of people still don't know that about me. Um, at, I was 16. My initial response and my initial thing was pretty much, forget y'all, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And if I'm <laughs> gone, I'm gone. I, if I'm being real and trying to be honest. Mm -hmm. And what I, when I reflected and looked at um, the people that I know I had lost in my life or had either I had lost in my life due to diabetes mm -hmm. or had lost part of their life, for instance, lost a limb, um, lost um, hearing, lost sight from, from now um, not probably taking care of themselves, right, mm -hmm. um, along the way. So I vowed that, first of all, that my diagnosis would not be my written on my tombstone. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's not that diabetes didn't let me do this. Diabetes didn't let me, or I can't do that because I'm diabetic. Like most of the time people don't know. And I won't even tell people unless they see my pump hang on my side, ask me what's this tube mm -hmm. hanging out of, out of my side, or it comes up in conversation. Mm -hmm. Most situations I'm in, most people don't even know. Cause I don't use it as a crutch. I don't use it for excuse. Now I make people aware if something's going on, but that's about where it goes. Um, but even if I look at the path in life that that has, once I grasp that mentality, um, and then ironically going back to my work experience in education, I've come across so many kids that have been diabetic in their early years in first grade, second grade, third grade. I've been able to sit down and work with them one-on-one -on -one or help them get other services they need to be um, functional in school and still maintain their health, right? So me going through all that, I even had somebody a couple of weeks ago say, hey, I know you've been on a pump. I've been on an insulin pump since 99 when I came to UM, right? I know some people who are just now going on a pump. Like, hey, do you mind if I give that person your number so they have somebody to talk to because they're, they're worried about it, they're scared about it, they don't know what to do. So me not taking on the change of my mentality and taking on as, yes, this is part of me, but it doesn't control me. This is not the end of me has also gave me that testimony to help other people along the way. Yeah, I mean, just being that resource to individuals is amazing, man, especially how you're able to help kids. And I'm pretty sure they're going through things that they don't necessarily understand. And a parent that doesn't have it or hasn't struggled with that diagnosis is probably not the best equipped, even though they're going to do everything they can for their child. Yeah. Having you, that educator that they see, eight, 10 hours out of the day to be able to break it down for them and pe in, a, in a way that they can understand it and not feel weird, you know, and right. not feel like they're different so much so that they can't be a part of society or be a part of, or just participate in regular activities with their peers. I'm pretty sure right. you've brightened so many lives that way. Well, I, I hope so. And again, it's not just me. I've really taken on that mentality that um, you live it, you learn from it and you pass on to others. Absolutely. Pass information on. Help other people out as much as you can.
Absolutely. I got one more of those soul searching questions that I want to hit on. And this is, uh, this is going to actually tie into that, that, that spiritual component because the other two, obviously, you can just be very personal. But mm-hmm. when was the last time I worshiped God flat on my face? Now, it's one thing to say, when was the last time I worshiped God? And mm-hmm. that can be in any type of deity or however your religion works. But why the flat on my face part? So let's go back real quick because that actually came from the Sunday before I was to go up and, and preach that Sunday, right? right? The end of the the end of this of my executive my pastor's sermon were those three questions for us to reflect on during the week. And it set me in my mentality of what I needed to do the following week. So that was the first question. Mm-hmm. So the thing was, before he got to that question was, what is worship? When you say worship, most people think praise, singing, song, things like that. But really, worship is just open yourself up to receive whatever mm-hmm. that blessing is or that message is, whatever, whatever it's, you're supposed to receive, right? So the, of not just saying we're going to worship doesn't mean all the time I'm going to go and turn on some music and sing in the background. Trust, trust me, you don't want me singing, period, right? <laughs> So the thing was when when and he and he got he he mimicked. So when the last time you literally just laid flat on your face on the floor, got down on the floor, lay flat on your face, hands outstretched, feet out the opposite way, face down, and just said a prayer and just had a moment in time with just you and God. Now I'll sit down and pray right here at the table in my car or whatever, but I've never done that before. Mm-hmm. And I'm tell you, it's a humbling experience, right? Mm-hmm to just put yourself down in the middle of the floor. I did it right here in my, my living room, right? Um, and just have that moment where you're, you're just vulnerable. And that, that opens you up for vulnerability because you can't, you're not being distracted. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you hear, may hear stuff going on, but your, your mind is totally just, your body's relaxed, your hands are stretched, and you just communicate, you're just talking. You're not focused on anything else. And people say you can do that standing up, whatever. But I'm telling you, if you do it, and there's not a different experience. For me, it was a different experience. Somebody else may not get it out from them, but for us, it was a challenge for us to say, hey, just do that and see what happens, see how you feel. And I did it a couple of times that week before I got up there and got on stage. Um, and again, for me, it was, it's, I can't say it's transformative, um, but it definitely was humbling as far as the position and just being able just to talk freely. And I want to go back to what you said about the vulnerable, the vulnerability of the position, because I think that can be taken one of two ways. You, you can look at the negative connotation and you just being wide open and just susceptible to any and everything. But I think it's a higher you know, level than that because you are being susceptible. You are wide open, but mm-hmm. you should be wide open to receiving the blessings or the message or whatever it is that that conversation between you and that higher power, you know, come what, what comes from that position. So it's not necessarily, you know, you, a vulnerability, like, you know, something to be scared of. I understand that it might be a weird type of space or an uncomfortable or un- something that you're just not used to. Mm-hmm. But as you said, you did it a couple of times before you got up there on stage and after the second, third time you did it, it became a little bit closer to second nature. Correct. It right. became it became easier. First of all, easier to do because um, mm-hmm. when you think about just getting down on your floor and just laying like flat out, it's it got to worry about them roaches coming across now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody might want to come pray with you, right? <laughs> but I mean, the the it's just the 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 position 
leaves you open to just, you don't have to worry about anything. You just communicate, just talk and, and spend that time. Gotcha. And true worship. So you open gotcha. yourself up to receive whatever message from that prayer or just talk freely. So that's one one huge part of you, obviously, is your spiritual nature, your connection with your religion. But you know, you still you you still wear three hats on a daily. And that's a father, the husband, and the educator. You know, mm-hmm. and now you are in the administration administrative role of that, but still an educator nonetheless. And one thing you said in that speech or in that sermon was that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. How big has that been for you in your respective hats that you wear on a daily? That's been a game changer. Now I use that in that sermon that, that Sunday, but that's been something that I've kind of instilled and make it a priority in all facets of my life. For instance, um, if you're just talking about in a school setting or within as a teacher to kids, as a teacher to teacher, a teacher to a principal, whatever the case may be, like I can go in with all the book knowledge in the world. Let's take it, I take it back. I'll go in as, a, as, a, as an administrator or as an authoritative role, right? Mm-hmm. I can know everything there is about the business. I can know everything there is about um, processes and procedures and things, how, how everything should operate. But if I can't connect with those individuals that I'm around on a regular basis, then I'll go back to a manager versus a leader, right? Absolutely. Managing people in tasks. I don't really care about them. I'm not bringing them to the picture, but to make a connection with people and show people that you are, you are human. Yes, I have a job to do, but I am human too. And um, I understand what you're going through. Yes, I have, again, sometimes it's a, it's a thin line because yes, I do have things that I need to ensure gets done, but also have to think this person is, is going home to troubles at, at, at their home already. Um, when people open up to you in the school, it's amazing. Like, we send our kids to school and think the teacher's supposed to do everything, not realizing that they have life going on as well, right? Man, listen, if you're sending your child to school these days, and my daughter's in a semi-Montessori type of environment, mm-hmm. if you think they're going to school and that the teacher is doing everything and you don't have to come, they don't have to do anything when they get home or you don't have to sit down with your child, you're doing your child a huge disservice. Yes, I huge agree. Disservice. I'm sorry, so, I dropped that in there. No, you, that's, that's a gem because a lot of people think um, and, and I can't say it's not just a one area or one city or one mindset. It's just, that's the thing. They go to school for the teacher to teach my kid. That's your job. Right. But also that person may be going through a divorce. That third person may be going through something with their kids. That person may be going through health challenges as well. So we have to address those social emotional issues as, as well. Social emotional learning is the biggest thing in it. One of the biggest things in education right now, if you look at the students, but also take that up to your staff, faculty and staff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at those, those aspects of just human nature, you have to build connections. Like one of the biggest things that I pride myself on is making connections. It's not about BJ, right? So when I go into a place, if I, I see a principal, for example, I had a district administrator um, come to me a couple of weeks ago and say, hey, we're struggling with this. Um, and as a district, we, we're, I'm trying to get this. I'm new to over here. Do you have any suggestions? I, I have another district. Your counterpart in another district is doing some phenomenal work with this type of thing. Let me make a call and set up a meeting for you guys to kind of talk and hash it out and see if we can get some collaboration going here. So they gave me a, a couple of weeks. We traded emails back and forth. I finally got them down to the other district 
the week before Thanksgiving, right? So, and all I did was make introductions and I sat back, mm-hmm. right? And the amount of information that flowed across that table and then when we walked school and saw things in action, you just saw people's face light up and like, we can do this because they're doing it down here. I know we can do this. Like those type of things, like people just don't, they don't need you to just tell them you should do this, 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 and that, right? They have to feel that you care about them. So that, the lady actually called me today and sent me an email. Ali, you talked to her too. Um, saying, thank you so much for that. Um, we took a lot of stuff away, whatever. So it's not about Brian telling them. And the things that the school told them, I could have just flat out told her straight up and down, like, you need to do this, 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 try this, or and come back to some teachers. They didn't need that. They needed somebody who was outside of the role to say, hey, you know what? I understand what you're going through, and I found somebody who can do, who's going through, who went through those same things, and this is how they're doing it. Let me connect you guys and let you make that, that connection together. They didn't care what I knew. I could tell them all day till my face turns blue, right? They needed to see an action. They needed to show that I'm willing to make a connection. I'm willing to, to go out there and put myself out there and make that connection for them and then help them with it. Now it's my job to help them support that, right? So now I got to go up back up to their district and help them implement these things they want to do. What's crazy is that same connection piece that you're using with these adults in their adult learning environment is the same connection piece that you have to have with the child. and. Definitely. I, it's crazy hearing it because it's it kind of like when you you just saying this, it's like, oh, wow, that's that's really, really true. It's very comparable. Making that connection, it, it doesn't stop, you know, when, when they're a child. It, 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 it follows you all the way through life as a way that you're learning and getting better at what it is that you're doing. Exactly. I mean, again, it, it just, when you're talking about building relationships with people, like, right, when I'll go, I'll go back to this group, we have the 13th floor, right? You got the group of guys that got together for this. So mo- a lot of us knew each other, but there was a couple people that added to the group. Now, again, I'm not the, I'm not the most let's say, outspoken person I fall back. But the thing about it is, and I, I can't remember exactly, so I can't pull up a, an exact example, but I know for, for you, for Jeremiah, um, when you guys were brought into the forward, it really was, not to make you guys feel bad that you weren't part of the original group, right? Not to make you guys feel like you weren't doing something. It's whatever I can do to help pull, pull everybody together. So when we had conference calls or we had video calls like this, um, when it was trying to do stuff, it was trying to figure out me listening and hearing what talents I thought you guys were bringing to the table and trying to figure out, okay, how can I get them involved? How can I bring them to the conversation? How can I do this? Oh, but let me offer this to support with this and see if I can bring them forward and get them on a little better. I'm, I'm, trust me, it's hard for me to make um, build relationships with, with guys. That's, the, that's one of the hardest things with me because I did not grow up doing that, right? Mm-hmm. So growing up, it was your immediate friends, immediate family, the, the dudes I grew up with, and the couple guys I hung around with in school. Other than that, like, I was cool with everybody, but I didn't have no tight friends that were guys. So when I told everybody I joined a fraternity later on in life, they were like, where'd that come from? Like they were shocked. So was it your fraternal experience that kind of turned the tide for you? Or was it something before then? I would say it was, it was lessons from my grandparents. Mm-hmm. 
lesson from my grandmother specifically. My watching them in action, but actually talking it through with my grandparents and little tidbits they would drop over the years. Um, God bless them all to this day. Um, but the different things, how I saw them treat individuals, how how I saw them do that, I just it became now that's what I just did. Like again, I don't have to be the the loudest person in the room or the most known person in the room. It's like okay, I see, I hear. It's going on with Brett. And I think one of the first things with Carol, I saw the Carol offline and I, and I don't know, really know, can't tell you when the conversation had. He was like, you were working at, you guys were working at the store together. You were doing some things. He saw something in you. I like, okay, cool. Let's develop that. Let's get it going. Like you brought him over here now. Now it's our job to figure out where, where his talents fit in and what else is his potential. When he told me you're going to lead the podcast, I said, okay, what are we going to do? I don't even know if he told you that first. I think I probably knew it before you did. So, we thought one day, he like, yeah, we do this podcast going, Brett's going to be the moderator. I'm like, cool, so what do we have to do? Because at that point in time, he's like, Brett's going to push back on it. He's not going to want to do it. But I need you to be there and kind of <laughs> let him know if it, if it pushed back, let him know he can do it and, and get him involved. And so, when it came up to Brett, like, you can do it, man. Let's go. What do you need to help us to help with? And always offer the help. Not push you to do it, but say, we got your back to do it. Right, right, right. That was, uh, <laughs> that's crazy, man. So now I see that it was a whole full team, full circle effort. Right. <laughs> not a conversation that we have in the background about things around, around this, around UM, around just this in general. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. conversations, like, people would be surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need that background conversation so I can get in on that handshake, man. That's been two years. I still ain't got the handshake, man. What's good? All right, we're going to talk about that one offline, too. <laughs> we, got you, we got you. Hey, there it is, man. So uh, I want to hit on the educator piece a little bit more. And these are more specific questions to okay. kind of help um, my personal situation, but I'm sure a lot of people can learn from it as well. So, you know, because of your extensive background, I'm now looking into the private school sector. Um, and there's this new private school, I think it's uh, Whittle something. Uh, they, they're doing, um, they're building the, the campus in DC. It's gonna be two campuses, one here in DC, one in China, and then they're building a couple other out in, out in, the, uh, in the continental US. Interesting, okay. Now, what things, what kind of questions should I be asking? Because I'm going to, uh some like an open house this weekend my lady went chris went to one last week and she got a lot of information um but i want to go and i'm going to be hearing it for the first time so outside of like curriculum and what is the the day-to-day look like what are some of the questions that i need to be asking going into this room well first back up real quick so one thing you want to definitely know is what curriculum they use okay right that that's that's off rip because again from state to state well private school and again i'm not against private i'm not against charter I'm against, a, I'm against bad schools for kids because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's public, private, and charter bad schools out there, right? Mm-hmm. I think we all Absolutely. can attest to that no matter what. <laughs> uh, so that, that's my first <laughs> disclaimer. But the first thing, you know, what, what curriculum they're using because what is their, their ultimate goal? So is this an elementary program? Is this going to be an elementary through 12 program? It's an elementary. They actually start at three years old. Okay. So... And that, that's one of the, the good things about those. So the curriculum they use, start off early childhood, three years old, and go through their senior year. 
So if it's an already established school and they've had graduated classes, I want to know um, when those kids leave, how do those kids compare on on standardized tests? Because you got to face it, a lot of people don't like standardized tests, but it's the one thing we can use ACT, SAT, mm-hmm. kind of gauge how that school is doing compared to other schools. Because in Florida, we take FSA mm-hmm. in a public school setting. We take the FSA. Now it'll give you information up to 10th grade. After that, it's 11th and 12th grade ACT, SAT scores. That's the only way to standardize um, kids coming in out of school, going into college. So, so how this did be, uh, this school is going to be first year, uh, brand new, never graduated anybody. So, so but have, have they ever had another program before? No, this is so, first so time. Really it's really a really little really. school in studios. It's kind of one of those artsy dance type uh, okay. in conjunction with your regular learning. But it's just the. Uh, it, the way that the school was brought about, and these are my lady's words, not mine, because I haven't gone, but it was just a, a group of educators that were looking to make a concerted change and a concerted effort to change the way that the youth are learning and in, in contrast to what they're getting in the regular public schools, so public and charter school system. Okay. So the thing is, Knowing that that so they're gonna use the arts to kind of facilitate that. Um, that's what I heard. Right. So okay. So my 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 first question would it be so as kids go through this and because we all know kids are very artistic no matter what field they could be in whether it's music singing dance um instrument whatever the case may be right and they get drama whatever whatever field they they're in but not every kid is strong academically mm-hmm. right they may be thriving their one art focus but academically they may struggle what supports are in place to help kids who are who may be struggling academically at any point in time in their career Mm -hmm. because a lot of times it is again depending on the teachers depending on their background is i'm the teacher i taught them they didn't get it oh well (laughs) on to the next lesson and i hear probably anybody listening now can finally think back to a teacher or many teachers from their kindergarten to 12th grade experience that had that mentality. They didn't want to work with you one-on-one. If you didn't get it, you just didn't get it. You either failed the class or you had to figure it out on your own. But what academic supports are there? Next, I want to, I would want to know how did it, how do they use data to support whatever they answer, whatever answer they give you? Mm -hmm. Because again, it's one thing for the teacher to say, Brett, at a conference says your son Brett doesn't understand the math okay what data are you using to say he doesn't are you just saying he failed your test or along the way were you looking at his work to understand that he doesn't understand fractions so there's he doesn't understand division so there's no way he's going to be able to produce um accurate answers when we get to fractions right? right are we really able to diagnose what's going on and why there is a problem if it's reading right that's something that we need to diagnose early. The later we wait, the higher the chances of not graduating overall statistically are out there, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're in the fourth, fifth grade on up, then their chances of graduating on time and graduating at all drop drastically. And I don't want to quote numbers right now because I don't have them in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it drops literally 20, 30, 40 points every year. They don't, they're not reading on grade level, right? And these are just life skills. I'm not even talking about anything to pass eight tests, right? These are life skills. Then I'll ask, what tests do you prepare them for? So are they preparing them for 
something in the state in DC area or are they preparing for ACT, SAT? And again, what is their goal? What is their overall goal for kids when they leave there? Is it to go into the art field? Is it to be prepared academically, academically, excuse me, to go into a either associates or undergraduate other another undergraduate program? Mm -hmm. Or is it to go out in the workforce and perform? Like what is the ultimate goal? Because every kid may be gifted Every, day, every kid in the school may be gifted in a particular art area, but if I may be great at singing, which I'm not, right? I may be gifted at singing, but am I ever, let's say I want to say, but I still want to go to a four-year university. Am I going to be prepared or are they only going to nurture the art side of the experience? Gotcha. Those are the main things in a situation like that. Awesome. Yeah, man. I'm going to definitely keep that in my bag. I'm going to listen to the podcast on my way down there. So I make sure I got all my notes and everything ready once yeah. we get in. Um, appreciate that. No doubt. So as we get on this road to 100, BJ, man, I got to get your thoughts on the podcast to date, man. And give, let me know some of your, your brightest moments, man, and what you kind of expect going forward. I got to reflect back to the first episode. What the, I guess the, the evolution, right? Right. I'm going just from a being on the phone and being on a conference call to even just going to the videos now. So it was just, uh, we got to get something started. We got to figure out how this is going to flow. We got to figure out the chemistry between everybody, what's everybody's roles, how do we feed off each other. But the main thing was just, let's just jump in and get our feet wet. We got to do something, right? Exactly but we also got to stand out and not just be guys on, on a weekly podcast just talking about anything. You can turn on TV and get any information out. You want it information you want to views from us right and then how we view the world and how we approach different things in life so i think the the growth i've seen individually from the men on this podcast first of all i'll take you for example so when we started started talking about doing this and we had that conversation in the background about you <laughs> moderating right and then i said you take over from that because it wasn't the first episode you were moderating was it was it the first episode? The first episode, yeah. I was kind of like, you know, lead host or whatever, asking the questions to Carol. And I think Fresher on the first episode. Okay. So I think, so, but we pre we prepared all those questions stuff before, and didn't we? Yeah, we did. It was a lot we of like kind of scripted it out. Yeah, and we I recorded get, that first okay. episode like 10 times. <laughs> but I've seen, let's say, let's say, so I've seen you take that and then our offline conversation about the topics and the route we're going to take and how to involve everybody and pull everybody in. I've seen you go to the point where, hands down, I haven't seen another moderator on a podcast like you. You have your own style, you have your own flair with it, and it's and it's to the point where you get on say, okay, we ready to record. We're we're not talking about everything beforehand. Like you're ready to go, you're prepared, you do all the work beforehand. You can if we have guests on, you've contacted them, set them up with all the information. You've done all these different things to prepare for an excellent show, and execute it that way. Right. So when we come on, yeah, we may have talked about the topics and done our research, but you know how to pull everybody in. You're looking at everybody's facial expressions and they're either with this, either they're pull, either to pull them in or to bring other people who are maybe talking too much just to kind of slide over to the other side quick, or know when to change topics and not drag things out. Right. Right. You've 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 gained that craft to be able to do that from hands down. So you could, if somebody asked you to do that, like, yeah, I run a weekly podcast. 
Like you could say that hands down and be confident in your skills, skill set, and be able to transfer that to leading meetings, leading emails that you need to do in professional or your personal life. It's amazing, man, how much this podcast has prepared me for just those types of arenas. Because now when I used to dread getting in front of or talking in front of anybody and granted, I'm, I'm talking in front of you guys, you know, six guys every week or whatnot, but getting in front of an office and, you know, hosting a meeting or addressing 20 to 25 individuals before, you know, a, a project starts. It's so much easier now because I have so much, I've had so much practice, mm-hmm. so much coaching, you know, Carol, when he was uh, mentoring me and still mentors me now, but when he was, you know, we were working together at CarMax and all of that stuff and how much, you know, effort he put into me in the podcast and like trying to help me to get to the point where my, my wings spread. It's all it's all there, all valid, man. So I definitely appreciate the growth uh, along this journey as well. So I mean, when I look at each individual, I can point out things, but I look at as a collective unit. Right. So when we talk about the 13th floor, we, we talk about a mindset, not just a podcast, not just a place. 13th floor, we always talk about furniture may not be best, but the views are amazing. That's right. life. That's life, right? Yes. And that, that's the, and people might have missed that over the, over the what? <laughs> two, two years coming up, two years bro. Now. So 100 episodes will be just under two years, right? Or just about tell you the secret sauce, man. That's life, this furniture here. Exactly. So... The first is not a great look around everything that's going on in relationships with family, with health, with all this stuff. But half the time, all the stuff going on with us, you will never know about because when it's time to do the podcast, this is the focus. This is the main arena. This is showtime right here. Right. And again, this is not a we're not on here trying to be a a spit polished, um, edited version ready for TV. This is raw and uncut a lot of time. Well, we got to cut a couple things out every now and then. <laughs> Every now and then a couple of things drop, we got to cut out. But in, in general, like this is this is just us interacting. And it's got to the point where we've become comfortable with each other. That again, it's not about always agreeing. It's not about about um, having one voice. I think all the different voices together give that collective feel that the listeners like, right? Exactly. It's not, and we, we have, I would say that we just have different opinions about many different things. Right? right. But we don't always have to bring them to the table, but we have you can hear it through our voice and through our emotion about topics that we're passionate about what we're doing and what we're talking about. Like these one on ones, you told me we were going to do this around episode four or five, like the first one we did. Like I was dreading that. And that was on that wasn't even on video. <laughs> I was dreading that one just because I don't like recording, period. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just personal. Mm hmm. Even when I listen to recording from that Sunday, it's like uh, I sound weird. I, I'm I'm probably my worst critic. Right? We are always our worst critic, man. I remember the first time I listened to myself in a room of other people. I'm so nervous because I'm wondering, like, how are they going to take my voice? How do I sound? Do I sound like I even know what I'm talking about? And then when you're doing the podcast and you see, you know, when you kind of misspoke or mess something up, but the world doesn't because they're listening and they're engaged yeah but that that first time or those first few times where you just kind of kind of you kind of get up get over that anxious that angst that nervousness yep um and just kind of like just let it go man just push through and if they like it they like it if they don't hopefully you get some good actionable feedback and you if you, they don't they, well they don't leave no comments anyway that's a, <laughs> everybody listening right now anybody listening right now 
Um, but again, like I say, furniture knowledge is the best. We're not gonna go with everything together. We're not gonna have the perfect day all the time, but the views are amazing. Once one the views are amazing. So once we get here and once we're in that mindset, let's talk about the brighter side of everything, right? Let's talk about the good stuff. Let's let's even the negative stuff again, there's always there's a reason. This may be a test. Like going through this experience may be the test that we needed to pull us together. Cause I, I see big things for this group coming up. Like we're gonna keep everybody else in the dark until it's about to drop. But there's some big things coming from this group right now. Y'all just don't believe me? Just watch. Right. <laughs> yeah, use that for a drop. That's my intro, right? Um, <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, don't believe us. Just watch and listen yes. on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. You got your videos on Vimeo and YouTube. Man, we drop this podcast each and every week. Yes, yeah. sir. Your news, views, and how-tos from the black male perspective each and every week on the 13th floor. So get with us. Stay connected with us at 13th floor, please, on your social media handles, Instagram and Facebook. Let us know, man. Drop us a line on what you think of the podcast, man. Always, yeah. always want that feedback, man. It was a great episode, man. I almost want to give you another opportunity to close it out, but I think you just hit us with a lot of information. You have anything else you want to leave with the folk? I just want not, man. I'm just like continue to support um not only us but those individuals out there who are taking that that step that that fledge they're stepping up to the test and making the sacrifices you know them in your daily life you you see them they're your they may it may be you right it may be your parents it may be your siblings it may be your cousins like i just had thanksgiving in south carolina with my dad's side of the family dad passed away in 03 but i still have 11 aunts and uncles alive right and all 11, even though they don't all live there, all 11 were back, but I only saw 10. Mm-hmm. Like, different things happen because mm-hmm. people just don't come around no more, right? Or people don't want to be, people don't, experiences happen, life happens, and then people separate. Like, but life is too short for all that. I mm-hmm. saw my cousins, I got two cousins, there, two female cousins that are doing it big time in the army right now. I'm so proud of them. Shout out to Kishanti Jones. And mommy Zalinthia Jones, right? Um, they're 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 moving up every time. Every time I hear from them, see them, they're just moving up the, the ladder, right? Mm-hmm. And, and doing big things. I got other cousins everywhere. It's good to catch up with everybody. Like, what you got going on? Okay, how can we support you? Support people, man. Again, remember the mantra, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That goes in every aspect of life. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. We're done here on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. 95, still waters run deep. The 13th floor. floor. The 13th floor. floor.